anointing. Guys, just, just recognize, though, that the, that the anointing is not for uh, excitement purposes only. Right. What, what God is doing is not for a moment, but it, it, there's longevity to the anointing. So what God has deposited in you isn't for just you. And it's not about that weekend or even just the next couple of days, but it's about where God's taking you. And it is an empowerment to do something that he's called you to do. So you have the anointing. Well, you know, I think sometimes, most time, we go to a camp meeting and we have, a, a, you know, the Holy Ghost camp meeting. We get goosebumps and hair standing up and that was awesome. Then we come back down and we leave what God's done there. But what God's done is a preparation for what he's going to do. So now you're on assignment. Make sure you understand that now I got to take this and go do something with it. Amen. 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 Tonight, I, I want us just to stand together one more time. And uh, uh, we're, we're going to just take a minute and give God praise. Is that all right? Just, just take a moment and begin to thank him for what he's done. Go ahead. Father, we magnify your name. We exalt you, Lord. We give you honor, glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, for changing lives and healing bodies, renewing minds, restoring vision. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, come on, somebody. Covenants are perpetual. They don't end. Salt preserves. And so our speech needs to be graceful, reflecting God's grace to us. Our speech needs to be pure, accurate words about sin and the gospel. Our, need, our words need to be seasoned with salt or with God's covenant in mind, showing God's power and goodness. I think the idea of covenant is severely lacking in the gospel presentation of our day. The idea of covenant is severely lacking in most of the churches of our day. God has given a covenant, an eternal covenant that he made with, within the Godhead before he made the world that he was going to redeem those who would believe. And a covenant with Abraham, a covenant of grace that says, whoever believes will be blessed, will be forgiven in the seed of Abraham. And the idea of covenant, something that is done on God's part, that doesn't change, that is eternal, that can't be lost or destroyed. Peter says we have an inheritance that is incorruptible, undefiled, and does not fade away, reserved in heaven for us. God is faithful, and the faithfulness of God needs to be presented in that gospel. In Colossians 4 and verse 6, the last half says that you may know how you ought to answer each one. We need to know what the Lord has done for us. My life has been shaped by the idea of how can I communicate the gospel to other people? God saved me late in life. I was a total heathen, and when He saved me, I was blown away. I was completely amazed and it was my desire to share that good news with everyone that I met. And I was the first Christian in my family. I had an aunt growing up who was a Christian. She was kind of a Jesus freak uh, in the 70s. But she was the only one, the only Christian example I had. But my desire when God saved me was to take all that goodness and grace that he had shown me and to share it with others. And it took me a while to figure out how to do that rightly. But... 
There's a man named Steve Brown who's on the radio, has a teaching program, and I like what he says. He says that sharing our faith should be like one beggar telling another beggar where we found bread. And that's the idea of this. God's grace came into me, and it needs to go back out to other people. I think that's what he's saying, right? We need to think about that. We need to communicate. We need to live and communicate in wisdom. But we need to be careful because the wisdom of our world likes to creep in. Paul told the Corinthians that when I came to you, I didn't come with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. I determined not to know anything among you but Christ and Him crucified. I was with, weak, with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling, and my speech and preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but with a demonstration of the power in the Spirit that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. We don't want to manipulate people. It's not the idea. We need to present the clear and accurate truth of the gospel. So our wisdom is not about technique. It's about doing things God's way. It's about living with integrity and compassion, walking in wisdom. It's about communicating God's truth, not only in our living, but in our words. You, can't, you need to live right before people. It's a good beginning to evangelism, but you have to take it to the next level, and you have to communicate it verbally. Right? So we need to conduct ourselves in wisdom. We need to let our speech be graceful and covenant-oriented. And we need to be able and ready to answer each one. Which goes back to our scripture reading text in 1 Peter 3 that tells us to sanctify the Lord God in our hearts. That means God is first. He's in the special place. Sanctify the Lord God in your heart and always be ready to give an answer to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile you good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. We need to be living right. But we don't only need to be living right, we need to be communicating the pure and true and accurate message of the gospel to the world that's around us. Now I know we can't know everything, but I know that we can know the basic direction that our culture is going and to the people that God puts directly in our path. We need to take the time to know them, to understand them, to find out where they're coming from, and we maybe need to do a little studying, a little bit of Spend a little bit of time. Think about the time that you spend doing other things. And think about, you know, in, Col- in Colossians 3.1, Paul tells the Colossians, set your mind on things above, not on the things of this earth. All right? We set our minds too much on the things of this earth. But these people have an eternity. And God has chosen us to be his vessel to communicate the truth of the gospel to them and given us a charge to walk with wisdom before those who are outside, because that's the best use of our time. To have our speech always with grace and seasoned with salt, so that we might know how to answer each one. Every one. That's a pretty tall order, isn't it? I mean, we have some work to do here. Alright? I just think about when I got home yesterday, there was a nice little pamphlet sitting on the counter that said, What the Bible Really Teaches. While I was gone, the Jehovah's Witnesses came to my door and left a little booklet for my wife. And she invited them back next Saturday when I'll be there. Why? I need to be walking in wisdom. I need to know who these people are and what they think. 
And I need to be living as a godly example before them. And I need to have graceful speech. I need to speak to them, not in condemning terms, but to let them know that God is a God that forgives. And he's forgiven me. I was worse than they are. All right? My, my speech has to be seasoned with salt. I need to speak to them about the goodness and the faithfulness of my God and the covenant relationship that I'm in with him. Not because I'm good, but because he's good. And I need to be ready to answer them. I need to be able to talk to them about the things that they believe and show them the error of their ways. That's my responsibility, not only as a pastor, but as a Christian. Because this section that we're reading right here is not written to pastors. It's written to the congregation. The pastor of this church is with Paul in Rome in prison, visiting him there while Paul's writing it. And toward the end of this, there's an elder that he's left in charge, a a man named Archippus. Who Paul says, I believe it's in verse 17, right down at the end of the book, tells the congregation to remind this man to fulfill his duty, the ministry that Christ has given him, to complete it. And so there, he's not writing to the pastor here, he's writing to the people. Right? And each one of us had this responsibility. Last time the Jehovah's Witnesses were there, they left me another book that's called Should I Believe in the Trinity? And I went through the book and I marked it all up and I showed all the errors in it and I printed off about a seven-page document that shows all the correct church history that they distorted. And I was waiting for them to come back so I could give it to them. They didn't show up. But actually that document has come in handy with several other people that I've encountered since that time, which is about a year or so ago. All right? We need to do this stuff. Now, I realize you're not all pastors and you don't have all the answers and you're not all you know, completely uh, up on every detail of everything that all these people believe. But you need to do your best. God brings these people across your path because he wants you to be the one who communicates the gospel to them. And so as believers, we need to live the truth. We need to speak with grace. We need to give a pure and accurate teaching about sin and the gospel. And we need to be ready to answer everyone that comes to us. Every one of these things that Paul commands the Colossians to do requires study and diligence. We're all called to this. We need to take the time to do it. Remember that God has ordained the end, but he has also ordained the means. He's ordained the salvation of those whom he chose before the foundation of the earth, but he's also ordained that we walk in wisdom toward those who are outside. Because that's how we make the best use of our time, and that we let our speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, so that we may know how to answer everyone. So we're all called on some level to be an evangelist, to preach the gospel. We're all called on some level to be an apologist. We see Paul and Peter both saying that to the general people of the congregation. Pastors are called to that on a higher level, but you are called to that today. And so my challenge to you this morning is to, if you understand all that stuff that's sandwiched between Colossians chapter 1 and Colossians chapter 4, if you understand the deity of Christ, if you understand the atonement, if you understand that you need to deal with sin in your life and that you need to have your focus on heavenly things and not on the things of this world, if you understand all the things that Christ has done for you, then your desire should be to get that message to people who are where you used to be. That should be an urgent matter in your life. Paul said at the beginning of our text, before, the, before verse 5, that our prayers should be directed toward open doors for the gospel and for those who are preaching the gospel 
to know what they should say. And the next thing he tells us is, it's our job then to walk with wisdom to those who are outside because that's the best use of our time. To have our speech always with grace, seasoned with salt, so that we may know how to answer everyone. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the words of Paul to the Colossians. Lord, we thank you for your goodness and mercy that has been extended to those of us who know you. And if there's one who doesn't know you, Lord, I pray that you would work in their heart even now to hear and to understand the goodness and the mercy that you have to offer those who trust in you. Lord, for those of us who know you, I pray that you would move in our hearts, that our hearts wouldn't be hard, that our hearts wouldn't be uh, overcome with the things of this world, but that we'd set our minds on things above, on eternity, where Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. We pray that you would help us to see how important eternity is and how fleeting and passing are the things of this world and that our hearts would be set not on accumulating things for ourselves, but on setting up our treasure in heaven and presenting the gospel to everyone in our midst to be faithful to live before them with integrity, to walk in wisdom, to be graceful in our speech, to remind them of your covenant faithfulness, and to be ready to answer them. Father, give us the grace to do these things for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.